The sermon passage I'll be speaking from comes from John chapter 1, 9 through 14 in the Common English Bible Version. The true light that shines on all people was coming into the world. The light was in the world, and the world came into being through the light. But the world didn't recognize the light. The light came to his own people, and his own people didn't welcome him. But those who did welcome him, those who believed in his name, he authorized to become God's children, born not from blood, nor from human desire or passion, but born from God. The word became flesh and made his home among us. We have seen his glory, glory like that of a father's only son, full of grace and truth. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you for reading our passage for today. And again, that was John chapter 1, 9 through 18. And we begin a new mini-series, just a short month-long series, um, called called Connecting Six Feet Apart. And uh, this, this, um, this series title is in line with our overall theme for 2021, which is connecting the disconnected. In a quarantine world, we have all felt uh, much more disconnected and isolated from our loved ones um, and other human beings. Not because we've chosen this isolation, um, but because of necessity, because we want to stay safe, uh, because we want to be socially responsible for the public health and contribute to flattening the curve. but uh, terms like social distancing, the quarantine life, Rona, have become regular parlance in our culture. Our children cry because they miss their friends and classmates. We have not met in person as a church since March. Easter service last year was held online, um, which it was a first unprecedented And the question remains, will we be together for the next Easter service this spring? And we don't know the answer to that. Uh, But as a church, we know that social distancing does not mean social isolation. Just because we're quarantining doesn't mean we can't continue to be communal creatures. We have always held the position that the church has uh, has not closed, only the building has. But the church is not a building, right? The church never closes because we are the church. And the question for us as a body in this season, in these times, has been, what does it look like to be the church in these times, in this context, in these challenging challenges? Um, John tells the Christmas story here in the book of Gospel of John without Joseph and Mary, without angels, without the inn and the innkeeper, and the manger and the animals and the star without the wise men, without the shepherds. Imagine a Christian Christmas pageant without those things based solely on the Christ birth narrative as written here in John. I think the only thing you could do is like a laser light show or something abstract like interpretive dance. Um, but definitely you wouldn't have a manger or hand puppets or anything like that. All of the elements which endear us 
to the Christmas story would not exist because John distills the Christmas story into the barest, most direct articulation. John simplifies the Christmas story into the underlying cosmic and supernatural movements um, of incarnation. And perhaps the most profound and powerful and bedrock to our faith phrase in our passage today can be found in verse 14. The word became flesh. The word became flesh. The central cosmic and supernatural movement happening here is the incarnation. This word became human. This word became flesh and made his home among us. And who is this word? In this gospel, John is writing to both Hebrew and Gentile audiences. And John's emphasis more than the other gospels is towards proclaiming Jesus as God and life for the world. John's emphasis is on the deity of Christ because his concern lies around the authority of Jesus as the one true God among all the other gods or philosophies or ideas of the time. And the word that he uses here for word is logos. John's Gentile readers, having been raised in Greek culture and thought, would have immediately recognized this word logos. Philosophers like Philo and the Stoics used logos to mean the world knowledge or the powerful intelligence that made and created the universe. But this intelligent force, this logos, was not a personal, relational God, but simply an impersonal, intelligent, spiritual force. For the Hebrew minds John was addressing, the logos in the Septuagint, which is the Greek version of the Old Testament, alluded to the word of Yahweh. God's word was the creative power in the universe. God speaks and it becomes. This is creation ex nihilo or creation out of nothing. God's word, according to the prophet Isaiah, goes forth from God and does not return until it accomplishes everything that God intended. Who is this word? Let's scroll up in our Bibles to verse 1 here in John chapter 1, where it reads, In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. The word was with God in the beginning, and everything came into being through the word, and without the word, nothing came into being. This logos, this word, is used six times in these three verses alone at the beginning of John chapter 1. We immediately recognize here um, in, in the beginning was the word, an allusion, a direct allusion to reference to the creation story beginning in Genesis 1.1, which reads, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. What do we learn from John chapter 1, verses 1 through 3? That the word was in the beginning at creation. In fact, the word was there before creation, before the formation of the universe and life. The word was there with God. In fact, the word was God himself. Furthermore, nothing came into being without the word. The word, therefore, is God creator, the very original mover, the first actor. And then John makes the movement writing that the word was life itself, verse 4, and then further establishes 
in another metaphor, in another image, that this life was the light for all the people. This light shines in darkness, and the darkness cannot overcome it. This image of light, right? When the house loses power, and it's pitch black, and we need to see and, uh, and move around, we light a candle, or we uh, have a flashlight. And even the smallest of flames from a candle can pierce the darkness, right? The, the, even the smallest of lights can overcome the darkness. Um, but you don't have a darkness flashlight, right? You can't shine darkness into a lit room. And the light, therefore, overcomes darkness, no matter how small. And so that's the amazing image of the light of the world, which overcomes darkness. Um, but as we see in John chapter 1, what is established is that Jesus Christ is one, the word, is two, the life, and three, the light. And these three things represent the fullness of who God is. God is the word. God speaks and things get done, right? God is the only one with whom when he speaks, happening happens, right? What he speaks is reality. Um, God is to the life. God creates and breathes lives into all things. Nothing has come into being. Nothing will come into being um, that isn't that hasn't come into being because of God. Because God breathed life into that thing, and God is light, right? Light. God is the force of truth that conquers darkness and guides peoples in our way into hope and to love, um, and to salvation. Um, but the heartbreaking part of this story is that disconnection happens, right? If we remember in the creation and fall story, uh, we know um, the disconnect, right? We know the fall brings disconnection between humanity and God because of sin. At one time, Adam and Eve walked and talked with God freely in the garden. They had perfect communion with God. And they uh, were naked, literally and figuratively. Being naked meaning completely vulnerable, without shame, in perfect intimacy. The serpent, however, plants the inception of doubt in God's goodness into the minds and hearts of the first humans. Because of this, there is a relational breaking Adam and Eve hide from God in shame. They are cast from the garden. There is established an enmity between humans and creatures, right? And an en enmity between humans and the soil, the ground of the earth, right? Uh, one of the, a part of the curse was that men would need to toil and work hard in order to even bear fruit um, from the soil. And there was enmity created between humans and one another. Um, uh, we see that in the brothers uh, Cain and Abel, where Cain kills Abel um, out of envy. And then we have a progressive cycle of uh, animosity, of violence, of sin um, that people, uh, and people impose upon one another. And so there's a breaking of relationship. There's an enmity. Um, there's a disconnection and estrangement that happens because sin enters the world. And that is what the fall brings. Um, 
And there becomes, because of sin and evil, an inherent disconnect which hadn't existed before between God and humans, a breaking in the perfect intimacy that once was there, right? After Adam and Eve disobeyed God and listened to the serpent, they're hiding from God. They've covered themselves in shame of their nakedness. And God says, where are you? Why are you hiding? And we read here in John, in our passage, in verses 9 through 11, more about this heartbreaking disconnection between the creator and his creation. Verse 9, the true light that shines on all people has come into the world. The light was in the world. This, remember, Jesus, light, this light had come into the world. And the world came in to being through the light, right? But we see that this, this light, the word, that was life and then also light in the world, comes into the world. But the world does not recognize the light. The light came to his own people. You are my people. You are my creation, my family, my sons and daughters. I made you from the beginning and you don't recognize me. You don't welcome me. His own people didn't welcome him, the scripture says. God, the word, the life and light of the world who created humanity for no other reason but to love it. And his only desire, deep, intimate connection with his children has now become unrecognizable by people. He is now a stranger and the world uh, doesn't recognize the light, doesn't recognize Jesus God, creator, um, and doesn't, the word is welcome. The world did not welcome the light, even as they were his own people, even as they were his own creations. The amnesia of darkness had taken over the world to the point that people could not recognize the very one that gave its very meaning and existence. And we still live in these times of darkness, right? There is light, yes. And as followers of Jesus, we are witnesses of this light and we reflect the light into the world. But also, the world is also succumbed in darkness, right? We, we all experience the amnesia of darkness around us. We've all, in one time or another, forgotten what it, what it means to be at home, where home was, right? Who, who, who was at home? Who was our father and our mother and our uh, our family. Other translations uh, replace recognize here in our passage with no. The, the word came into being through the light, but the world did not, instead of recognize the light, it's the world did not know the light. The world, the word know is more than simply to have a knowledge of, like I know Joe Biden is the next president of the United States, more than just a knowledge of it. It's an intimate, deep, intimate relationship, right? To know God is to have, know someone intimately, um, to be in deep, intimate relationship. And in one way or another, humanity um, has become orphans. We have all become orphans, forgetting the loving arms of our mothers and embrace of our fathers. The one who gave us beginning 
and loved us so much had become a stranger in our eyes. This is heartbreaking. I just think of um, uh, Daddy's little girl, Cammy. You know, sometimes now as she gets older, she has more independence or she likes to do things on her own, play with her toys or read her books. And sometimes when I walk into a room wanting to cuddle with her or wanting to hug her or wanting to hang out, she says, go away, Appa, go away, Appa. And this like, you know, as a 45 year old, it still like brings me to my knees, right? It it's like pierces my heart. I'm hurt so much by that because oh no longer is she my ba my baby no longer uh, does she always want me to be around no longer uh, does she always want me to hold her but sometimes she pushes me away and that small story is an example of just think that God who created humanity was our father and his children don't recognize him that's heartbreaking He's a stranger to them. Heartbreaking. Um, but God does not stop with this estrangement. Amen. God does not stop with disconnection and say, oh, well, like I'll make something else or I'll move on. No, no skin off my whatever determines teeth. No skin off of my teeth. Um, but actually, God would not give up on us and God does not give up on us he doesn't give up on you God is a God who pursues and chases us down God came to us this is what's inherent in the incarnation is that God came to us even as humanity wasn't looking and even when we aren't looking for God even though we don't recognize that we're estranged or we may not recognize that we're lost or we may not recognize that we're outside and away from home god still comes looking for us god wants to be with us god desires intimacy and relationship and connection and communion god desires restoration and renewal and reconciliation with us because it's not just about knowledge it's not just about knowing who god is right and maybe this is the shortcoming of the american church or church as we've known it that we rely on information or uh, the knowledge of the bible in terms of facts and information and data but we lack that intimacy and true relational connection that God is desiring with us um, because uh, we're estranged. God didn't stop there. He doesn't give up on you. He chases you down. He pursues you. Amen? This is good news. Do you get it, church? This is grace upon grace. Humanity didn't have to solve the mystery of this disconnect. Humanity didn't have to figure out in the giant breakout room, you know, those prison rooms, those breakout puzzle rooms, right? That you figure out riddles and stuff to break out of the room. Um, we didn't have to. Humanity didn't have to figure out 
how to break out of the room in order to reach God. But rather, God himself came down, did all of the work, right? Took all of the responsibility, sucked it up, humbled himself, and made his home among us. The word became flesh and made his home among us. This is the supernatural miracle. This is the incarnation. That God who remained fully God became fully human in order to break this enmity, in order that we would not be strangers anymore. Amen? This is John's Christmas story. And this is like the central core of the Christmas story that God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will have life and life everlasting. Look here at the word welcome. Let's look at the word welcome here again. It connotes home and hospitality. The world did not welcome the light as it came. Um, welcoming in the stranger all throughout scripture, right? Hospitality is huge for the people of God. Welcoming in the visitor, even though you don't know them, you know. Um, those who welcome the word, Jesus Christ, what, what happens? In our scripture, it says, those who welcome the word, Jesus Christ, are authorized to become children of God. Children of God. This is why Christ came. We succumb to the amnesia. We succumbed to the amnesia of darkness and became estranged to our true family. Humanity had and has and will continue to forget God. We had forgotten our original home and chose to wander in the cold instead. Jesus, like the father of the prodigal son and the shepherd of the lost sheep, came out into the storm looking for us. As I, as I preach, right, it's pouring outside. It's dark. It's cold. I can hear the wind. I do not want to go outside. I'm so glad I'm inside right now. But Jesus came out into the storm looking for his children just as the shepherd left the 99 to find the one, just as the prodigal, this father of the prodigal son, even though the son had dissed him, disrespected him, and lit out and ran away from home, every day he was looking into the distance, waiting for his son. When will my son come? Right? Carrying the burden of longing, the burden of the parent, loving parent unconditionally loving, waiting for his son to come back. And when he sees the son in the distance, he pulls up his skirt, undignifies himself, and runs after him and embraces him and hugs him and kisses him. We were made for deep connection with God. We were made for deep connection with one another. Right? We're made for connection. We have a God-shaped hole in our hearts. And we have people-shaped holes in our hearts. You know, when, when you put a finger into the palm of a baby's, in, into the baby's palm, 
what does that baby do? It it squeezes it, right? It holds your finger. It's like one of the most intimate things you can experience. You should do it sometime. Um, but we're made to connect in that way, even out of the womb. And those who welcome the light, our scripture says it reminds us, we become children of God. What does it mean to welcome Jesus? What does it mean to welcome Jesus? Didn't he say when you clothe the poor, when you feed the hungry, when you visit the, that prisoner, you also do those things to me. Whatever you do to the least of these, you do unto me. To welcome and love Jesus is to welcome our neighbors, is to love our neighbor, our friend, the person around us, next to us, right? In the other, we see the face of God. In reconciling with the other, in connecting with the other, we reconcile with Jesus himself, right? We connect with Jesus himself. To be children of God then means to live incarnationally by turning the stranger into a brother and a sister. Jesus came into an estranged and disconnected world to reconnect. That is the essential love of God. Um, and he came to reconnect uh, with the world by reminding us that indeed, as we have, as we sing and we uh, um, we call out during Advent, especially that He is Emmanuel. Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. God is with us. God's presence is with us. And my challenge to us, and we'll take some time to reflect on this, is what are the ways we can connect in a disconnected world? How can we welcome others to to home to the table if you don't know renew's mission statement is renewed by god for the renewal of our neighborhoods that is to say we seek spiritual formation we want to grow spiritual we want to grow in relationship with god personally and so we work on those things to renew our relationship with god to transform our hearts um, but that in that transform, transformation, in that process, as we're changed by the love of God, we believe that what happens naturally is that this allows us to more fully live into our call to love our neighbors around us, right? Renewed by God for the renewal of our neighborhoods. You can say, loved by God to love our neighbor. Right, And at Renew, we're big on community. We're about community, building a real, building real authentic relationships in Jesus. In an already estranged and unreconciled world, uh, the pandemic has put further obstacles uh, before us in terms of connecting. Um, in one way, the entire globe is connected, right, by this common experience. This is probably a, the only time in uh, modern history that everyone in the world has experienced, uh, has been in the same boat, right? Um, experiencing the same thing at the same time. And in this way, 
most everyone has had this shared experience of coming more in touch with our hunger, our need, our longing for connection, our loneliness, right? The depths of despair, perhaps. And many, 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 many of us um, have become more in touch with vulnerability, um, the vulnerability of our health, our bodies, um, of safety, um, vulnerability of the safety net of day, everyday provision and basic needs of food, shelter. Um, more of us in America, um, especially uh, based on our, what we experience in the U.S., have had our eyes open um, to the large chasm between the rich and poor, which seems to be ever increasing um, in the in these days. And we've had our eyes open um, to the systemic injustices that break down along many times racial lines. Um, and into that, we're called to love. We're called to be ambassadors of reconciliation. We're called to be bridge builders. Renew is a multi-ethnic church that's called out to love neighbors and connect a disconnected world through loving, through serving, through including, through welcoming, inviting, giving, um, through our compassion, through our mercy, and through reflecting the light that is Christ into a dark world. We are witnesses, just as John the Baptist in this in this uh, in this chapter is a witness he isn't the light he isn't the word he wasn't a light the light or the word but he gave witness to the light and the word and the life and we too in turn in our small or big ways through the grace of God become witnesses to the life and the light the word that is Jesus Christ what can it look like for us church to dive in as Jesus dove in fully God yet willing to be fully human to seek to restore intimacy and connection among the isolated and disconnected and as we have felt lonely and isolated personally how can we walk with people in that same experience and speak life and truth and hope. And so let's take some time to pray, pray out, or um, give some ideas or what's uh, give a word, what's God putting on your heart, the Holy Spirit, and pressing on you as you've been in this time about what it means to participate in reconnecting and connecting a disconnected world. How can we love our neighbors? So let's take some time um, to connect with that in the comments. Ready, break. 